Well, thank you, worship team, for providing us with truth to sing along to. And particularly that last song, um, we were singing about our triune God and how He is worthy of our praise. And you know, as we talk about false teaching and false teachers, that is actually one of the um, contended and argued upon doctrines is a doctrine of our triune God. And so we are thankful, I am thankful, I hope you are as well, that our worship team has songs for us to sing that are filled with truth. Amen? That bring us closer to our Lord, to a knowledge of our Lord, and also that allows us to praise Him because He is worthy of it. Amen? Well, I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever been in a situation in which you realized later on in life that it had some pretty hefty consequences? Not only that, but you probably would have been able to avoid a lot of headaches, a lot of hardships, had you just simply done some research or perhaps even just read the fine print. Um, Well, let me tell you about my experience. I remember buying my first brand new car. It was great. It was clean. It only had 32 miles on it compared to my truck now. It has 235,000 miles on it. Man, it it was nice. And yet, as time passed by and I barely made any dents on the total amount owed, I realized that it was a pretty bad mistake. Then again, how was I supposed to know that the negative equity that I had on my previous car loan would transfer over to the new one? How was I supposed to know that it was going to turn into an insanely high monthly payment? And how was I supposed to know, right? I was 23 years old. How was I supposed to know that it would be extremely difficult to get out of that situation? Well, probably the first thing I should have done was read the fine print, right? Something that we should all do on a regular basis when getting into any type of contract. Now, I could have also just gone over to YouTube like I normally do nowadays and watch a video on it, or better yet, just ask someone that has done it before and get their input on it. Now, the Lord really did get us through that one. But don't you just love it when someone says, hey, just learn from my mistake. And I sure wish that the car salesman on that day would have done that for me. Well, here I am for those of you that might need this, honestly. Uh, learn from my mistake. Don't do that. It, uh, it, was, it was a pretty big mistake. Um, and sometimes all it takes is just reading the fine print. Sometimes... All it takes is asking a little bit more information before making a major decision like that. Well, I'm sure that you'll be glad to hear that today's passage is clear on what the consequences will be before you ever even do anything about it. And I'm sure that you'll be glad to hear that there is hope that this will cause us to run to Christ and His truth. Now we are coming to the end of our annual series called Hope for Everyday Life. 
And this fall, before our stewardship and emphasis, which starts uh, in two weeks now, we are studying the book of Second Peter with the theme of growing in, uh, in grace and knowledge. Today we will be looking at the clear, very clear consequences for false teachers. Now I would like to begin by reminding ourselves of the major importance of this topic. You may be thinking, well, why even cover this? Well, let me remind us of why we're covering this topic. False teaching is very much present in this day and age. And just as Peter said at the beginning of this chapter, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, talking to us, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. There we go. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. So, now that I've completely uh, shown you the severity of this topic, thanks to Peter, please turn your Bible to 2 Peter 2, 17-22. Now that is on page 184 of the back section of the Bible under the chair in front of you. So if you find page 184 on that back section, and please follow along as I read. These are springs without water, starts verse 17, and mists driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome... By this he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it only to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Now with our time today, my hope is that we can find three reasons, if the clicker wants to work, there we go, three reasons that the consequences for false teachers should cause us to embrace the truth of Christ. Last week we talked about the characteristics of false teachers and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that as well today. But that really was a robust explanation of our own sinful nature. The old man, uh, an old way of seeing, of loving, and a way of living. Now these false teachers are deceived and are deceiving and they're proud and ultimately they are animalistic as even our text today explains. And now we see that there are significant consequences for false teachers. 
And Peter does not sugarcoat this at all. He clearly states that these consequences are in full force and under the wrath of God. He doesn't use any fine print when it comes to this. Basically, he's saying, hey, listen to the mistakes of others. Learn from them. You're welcome. And so he shares them with God's people clearly so that we can see that there is a better solution, that there is a better and true teacher that will not bring destruction to his people. And so in Christ, we find truth. And because of that truth, we can realize that you can be rewarded. But false teachers, false teachers are revealed and punished. Now being outside of Christ, giving into their sinful nature, deceiving others and deceiving themselves, we find that false teachers are full of empty promises. In, in Scripture, we find true promises that are revealed to God's people and they are fulfilled in Christ, many of them. Peter describes our inheritance in Christ to be undefiled and something that will never fade away. That is the reward that we find in Christ. We find richness, beauty, fullness, fulfillment. But in false teachers, all we find is emptiness and unfulfillment. This is why Peter describes them in our text today as springs without water and mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. The hope that false teachers give is empty. It is dead. It is easily defiled and their hope fades away. Jude describes them even as clouds without water. They are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. And not just for a little while, but forever. There are clouds without water for a farmer. If any of you know a farmer or are a farmer yourself, you know how much a glimmer of hope that is to find that there is no hope in a cloud that is empty. False teachers are an empty well in the desert. A glimmer of hope that is never fulfilled. Now, let me paint it to you in this way. Last weekend, at least I think it was last weekend, my family and I went camping. It seems like so long ago now. And we did a little bit of hiking as well. Now, it had been a pretty long time since my wife and I had done any of this, let alone with two little ones, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and she's pregnant. So uh, you, can, you can tell already where this is going, right? <laughs> If you've ever been hiking in any type of environment, you probably know that it is a good idea to bring some water with you, right? Uh, No matter what you do, eventually our body is going to ask for something to drink, especially on a hot day and on a long hike. Now, one of our hikes was not particularly long. I don't know if you've ever been to Turkey Run. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's awesome. But the trails can be a bit tricky, and so... 
our first trail didn't last very long. We turned around pretty quickly. And yet we still got uh, pretty winded. We still obviously needed to take a break. We took a break, a breath, and we sat down to drink some water. Now I can't imagine myself or you, for that matter, coming to your spouse or to your children and offering them a container of water to drink and them for them to find out that it was actually empty. How cruel would that be, right? That is precisely what is being described of false teachers. They are cruel. They are offering water without ever getting it to your thirsty soul. And they are only looking after themselves, feeding themselves and never feeding you, really. Their evil deeds have consequences because they offer a false hope. False teachers will be judged just as the angels were. Earlier in chapter 2, Peter describes how God has judged the angels. He says in verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Likewise, false teachers are and will be committed to the to pits of darkness forever. Darkness embodies their deceit, And in being deceived themselves, they are blind and walk in darkness daily. Their evil and cruel deeds are met with God's full forced wrath. And this is not fine print that is unable to be read. This is explicitly what their consequence is. And we are thankful to be able to see the contrast of what Christ offers to his followers. For followers of Christ, we walk in the truth. As false teachers spread their lies, they, they could be telling you things like, hey, just follow your heart, or be true to yourself, or believe in yourself, or live out your own truth. But they eventually just leave you empty-handed. Followers of Christ can enjoy the benefit of knowing where to find the truth and joy of life. We look to our Savior. Amen? Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Let that be our prayer. Proverbs 13, verse 14 says, The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that in one may turn away from the snares of death. Christ is that fountain of life. He will keep us from the snares of death. When we look to our Savior, He does not leave us empty-handed or turns us away to look elsewhere. He answers our call and delivers us from evil and death. Now at times, those answers aren't fully met, especially this side of heaven. But based on his track record, I think we can say that we can trust in our Lord. Amen? Followers of Christ look forward to heavenly rewards. We can trust that. Amen? Believers can trust that God fulfills his promises. He has done so throughout the story of redemption. And he has done so in Jesus. In 1 Peter 
chapter 1, we see, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a what? A living hope, right? Not a dead hope, a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our hope lies in Christ. His resurrection gives us hope in dealing with not only the daily trials, but with our suffering and even death. Whereas false teachers can't offer that. In Christ, we find a reward that is eternal. It cannot be defiled and it cannot fade away. And as we seek Christ and believe in Him, we find the one who rewards. Hebrews 11 tells us, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe. Now what must they believe? They must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So as we seek Him, we find our reward. False teachers do not seek Him. They do not find reward. We are finding ourselves now in an engagement of some differences. Christ versus false teachers, right? So let's consider false teachers contrasted to Christ a little bit more in depth. John 7 tells us that on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus offers water. And not just for to quench your thirst for a minute, an hour, but it is going to quench your thirst forever. While false teachers are springs without any water, and they don't have anything to offer and don't even offer any type of lasting hope. John MacArthur puts it this way, Thus, like mirages in the hot desert sand, Peter describes the false teachers as those who promise what they do not deliver. They are springs without water, offering the spiritually thirsty nothing more than false hopes of relief. What does Jesus offer? Well, we see what, who he is. John 1 tells us, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Christ, we find fullness of grace and truth. In false teachers, we find empty words, polluted lies and deceit. The only thing they provide is instability. We see in Revelation that there, the city will no longer need a sun or a moon. For the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp 
is the Lamb. In Christ, we find eternal and fullness of light and life. In false teachers, we find death and only darkness. This should bring us to rejoice because we find our sufficiency in Christ. We find freedom in serving a new master. We no longer are enslaved to sin. Instead, you can be a servant of righteousness. False teachers, though, false teachers are enslaved by their own desires. False teachers have defiled God's word and have shaped and molded it into their own image in order to make it work with their own desires, to make it work for their own pleasures. And it is evident that all of this is because of their enslavement to their own sin. So this allows us to know that false teachers are marked by arrogance and sensuality. Paul is clear in verse 18 of our passage, for speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. Let me ask you this, to paint it in a different way. Do you ever notice or catch yourself recognizing when someone is lying or wanting to get something out of you? Whether that be money or recognition or some sort of thought of, hey, you're great. What do you notice in their speech? What changes? Do they become maybe a bit more flowery? They begin to attempt to flatter you a little bit? Or, or use big words in order to make you think that they're intelligent and attempt to gain your interest. Now, we see this a lot in children, don't we? When they are wanting to get a new toy or some sort of treat, they begin to show you how much they love you and how much they appreciate you and even sometimes cover it with a please, please, please with a cherry on top, Right? I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers because. Now, if you don't believe me, then let's just watch this together. Dad, can I have some ice cream? No, buddy. It's almost time for bed. Don't let this happen to you. I'm going to teach you how to get what you want from your parents. Let's do that again. Dad, I really missed you today. Can we share a bowl of ice cream and talk about our day? Sure, buddy. Yes! you got to figure out what's important to your parents. For Dad, it's quality time. And for Mom, it's something else. Mom, can I play my video game? Have you already played your video game today? Uh, let's do that again. Mama, can I do that for you so you can take a nap? That is so sweet of you. Yes, thank you, honey. Thank you, I love you. And when I'm done, I'll gladly play my video game. Just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. you got to figure it out yourself. Got it? Got it. Go get it. <laughs> hey, Dad, will you play with fire? What? It's okay, you can laugh. (laughs) Really, we could even say that that video is to show you how to be a false teacher, right? (laughs) And they may genuinely 
be sharing their affection and their emotion for you at that moment. But quickly they forget all about that when they lose interest or when they finally get what they wanted, right? False teachers are seeking their own interests and their own wants. And they may show interest or, and try to flatter you, wanting to tickle your ears with amazing, eloquent speech, sprinkled with a tiny bit of truth. And we have to remember that. Always sprinkled with a tiny bit of truth. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said that discernment is not being able to tell the difference between a truth and a lie, but rather it is the difference between the truth and almost the truth. That's what makes it difficult. And brothers and sisters, we need to have discernment and recognize this when we hear eloquent speech, when we hear flattery. We need to realize that false teachers do not seek to bring the truth to people. Instead, they seek to entice the lust and fleshly desires of people in order to attract their listeners. They will promote explicit sinfulness in order to build their kingdom, to seek to become bolder, build more authority, and please their own fleshly desires, all sprinkled with a bit of truth. Ultimately, though, the words are empty and they distort the truth. Now, sadly, they do capture much attention and build a great following, deceiving their followers and making them believe that they are true followers of Christ. Sadly, they know exactly who their targets are and where to find them, where to find the ones that are easy to captivate. And sometimes these are men and women who are seeking to better their life, who are dissatisfied or lonely, and they become vulnerable and easy targets to the exploitations of these false teachers. They end up believing that they are seeking true followers of Christ and they find themselves buried in the web of lies from these false teachers. Now you may say, but pastor, surely these are true followers of Christ. They are only somewhat deceived. Well, let me break it to you. They are not true followers of Christ. How can I say this? Well, because if they were true followers of Christ, they would seek to humble themselves because genuine followers of Christ are marked with humility. Peter exhorts believers in this way, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. And this exaltation is not something to be boasting upon. Rather, it should cause us to rejoice that our Lord will reward us at the appropriate time. And likewise, Paul, he tells us in Philippians to do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, who was like that? Let's continue reading. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men 
Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, we should follow in our Savior's footsteps. The one who humbled himself fully by being obedient unto death and the most brutal death. Jesus was not haughty. He was not arrogant. He was not boastful or pompous. He is the perfect example to follow. By serving Him, we find true freedom. In contrast, false teachers use flamboyant verbosity and truths to, as MacArthur puts it, dazzle their victims. They entrap their listeners and offer a false sense of hope. And false teachers offer a false sense of freedom as well. Our passage continues, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. In his commentary on Second Peter, MacArthur states, in appealing to these people, false teachers promise freedom and victory while they themselves are slaves of corruption. Their empty guarantees include liberation, purpose, prosperity, peace, and happiness. Yet, they do not even possess those blessings themselves. In fact, they are slaves to their lust, for by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. They are so thoroughly dominated and controlled by their sinful nature that their teaching is void of any divine power. Although they offer freedom, They are slaves to sin, utterly unable to bestow true spiritual freedom because they reject Jesus Christ, the only one who can truly liberate their soul. Now take note of that. The only one who can truly liberate the soul is our Lord Jesus Christ. We can find fullness of joy in this truth because we find that it is not up to me. It is not up to you. It is not up to any other man. We can then joyfully serve him because he is worthy of it. He is the one that is worthy of it. And as we serve him, it will be evident of whom we serve. Paul tells us in Romans, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves, For obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience which leads to righteousness. So let me ask you, do you consider yourself an obedient slave to Christ? Or better yet, when people see you, when they know you, do they consider you an obedient slave to Christ? Do they see you daily denying yourself and living for Him? Do they see you, your obedience leading to righteousness or do they see it leading to death? We know that false teachers are enslaved to sin because they do not deny themselves. They do not enjoy any freedoms. Their obedience leads to death. Do you see that contrast here? 
It's evident that followers of Christ deny themselves and enjoy true freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus calls his followers to take up their cross, deny themselves, and to follow him. We must stand firm in Christ, deny ourselves, and experience a true freedom from our sin that is found in him. We must not return to that yoke of slavery. False teachers cannot enjoy this true freedom. Therefore, we can rejoice because we find a true teacher, Jesus Christ. We can rejoice that God has set you free. Now, don't get me wrong. I know and I understand that we don't always feel like we're free. We don't always feel the sense of freedom. So if you are struggling with sin or feel that you possibly even are enslaved to it, I urge you to turn to God. In Him we find freedom. In Him we find eternal life, just as Paul says. But now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification. And the outcome? Eternal life. Be joyful that all of this, all of this our salvation, our freedom, our sanctification, and our eternal life all come from Him. It is not based on our own merit. It is not based on our worth. We can trust in the will of Christ. His will is perfect, and it is His will for us to be reconciled with Him, to be free from our sin. False teachers, the false teacher's will is to seek his own good and interests. He seeks to please himself and exalt himself rather than the Father. Now because of this, he cannot enjoy freedom. In examining the will of false teachers, let, let's consider the will of Christ in contrast to the false teachers. So what does Jesus seek to do? Well, Jesus seeks to please the Father. He, he says this very thing in John 8.29, And he who sent me is with me. He, who, he has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus seeks to exalt the Father by doing the Father's will. Now if you doubt this, in one of his most excruciating moments of prayer, Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Remember, Jesus was obedient to death. He was certainly not seeking to please himself or to do his own will. He is a perfect, righteous son who bestowed upon us his righteousness. And so because of that, we can pursue what is good. Ultimately, false teachers, though, will return to what is worthless. The difference between a follower of Christ and a false teacher is that the true follower of Christ will seek what is good, 
will seek to pursue righteousness, while a false teacher remains in a worse state. Our chapter concludes with this. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it only to return away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. False teachers cannot seek what is good because they continually go back to a worse state. It it becomes a vicious cycle. Peter quotes Proverbs here, saying like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. False teachers are in a vicious cycle, continually returning to the world and its entanglements. And they are unable to be free. Because of this, their consequences are greater. Because they know Christ, reject Him, teach against Him, they will be in darkness forever. There is only one way of righteousness, and that is through Christ. False teachers will try to entice you to believe that there are more ways than one. But no matter how they put it, no matter how you try to mold it and shape it, no matter how eloquently they put it, no matter how flowery or flamboyant, there is no other way. Only through Jesus. False teachers only seek to turn away and against the way of righteousness. Now why do they do this? Well, because that is what will allow them to live their life based on their own values, their lustful desires, and their own ways. And they always come back to that. They much prefer their ways rather than God's ways because it pleases them. Brothers and sisters, don't be fooled. For the way of righteousness, through knowing Christ, is of supreme value. It is far better than any pleasure this world has to offer. Far better than life itself. Paul clearly stated where he finds his value. I pray that we do the same. He didn't use any fine print. He simply said, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Don't allow false teaching to stray you away. Trust me, gaining Christ is far superior than any desire we may have, than any dream we may have, than any goal we may have. In knowing Christ, we find everything. 
Let's remember what Peter said. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Brothers and sisters, we find our sufficiency in Christ. Embrace his truths. We truly have nowhere else that we should be seeking. We truly have no one else to look. Let us stand firm in Christ, not giving in to the temptations of the world. Do not return to the world and its entanglements. Do not be deceived by these false teachers. Let this be a warning lest you yourself become a false teacher and become enslaved and fall under these clearly stated consequences. For the unbelievers in the room, maybe you're searching for answers, you're looking for a way to righteousness. I urge you to seek Christ, to look to Him, to run to Him. Maybe you have fallen under the teaching of some false teachers and are looking for a way out. There is hope for you. Jesus is the way. You can embrace His truths and hide them in your heart. Find freedom. There is no, there is no one better or more perfect than the true and perfect teacher, Jesus Christ. Run to Him. Brothers and sisters, you who embrace the truth of Christ, I hope that this reminds you of the importance of embracing Him and to run to His truths when false teachers or false teaching is amidst you. I hope that this reminds you that while false teachers provide false hope that leads to death, we can surely sing and rejoice. For unto the grave, what will we sing? Christ he lives, Christ he lives. And what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your truths that we find in your word. We thank you that we can embrace them, we can trust in them, and that we can rejoice in the freedom that you provide. Lord, we thank you for the clearly stated consequences of false teachers because they are the way for us to know that this is something that is important to you and therefore it should be important to us. And that teaching your word is more than just standing in front of a group of people. It is truly knowing your Son. It is truly knowing your truths. And Lord, we thank you for the grace and the knowledge that you continue to grow us in. We praise you in Christ's name. Amen.